Welcome everyone to the Farm CPA podcast presented by Top Producer. I am Paul Nefer, your host. And today we're going to have a conversation with Peter Martin, who is a, uh, are you a partner or principal with Pinion? Uh, what's what's correct title, uh, Peter? Both. We, we, we use principles our day to day, but but both is the answer. Okay. And for the listeners out there, Pinion uh, used to be, I think for a lot of people probably knew it more formally as Kennedy and Co. And then it changed name a few years ago to Keiko Isom, and now they are called Pinion. Do I do I have all those names correct, Peter? That's absolutely right. Okay. So, uh, you know, and Peter today is going to sort of discuss uh, the farm office of the future. Uh, but before we get started on that, we always like to uh, review the background of whoever's on the call. So, Peter, I'm going to turn it over to you, and you can go through... Uh, where you grew up, your college, how you ended up with Pinion, and all that good stuff. Yeah, ha- happy to do it. And it's it's a fairly odd background given where I've, I've ended up. Uh, I grew up just north of, of Denver. I, I did not grow up on a, on a farm or a ranch. I grew up in, in suburban, uh, again, Denver suburbs. Um, I ended up uh, at the University of Northern Colorado. And, and at the, the time, I, I really had a focus on emergency services. So I I spent a few years as a police officer. I spent a few years working on an ambulance. Uh, I really wanted to be in that emergency services business. And and so my undergraduate degree is is actually in psychology. And after uh, sort of, again, a career there, I I really decided that there, there was other things in life versus just the adrenaline rush of going to car accidents and uh, burglaries and things like that. And, and ultimately then ended up uh, uh, working for a large national bank and had a really good experience at that bank. And, and, and along the way also realized that if I was going to have a career in, in business, that I really needed to have more than my, my psychology degree. And so I ended up going back and, and getting a master's degree in accounting and, and finance. So I, I did, again, my, my, my role at the, the bank for a few years, and I was incredibly fortunate to be assigned a, a credit uh, for a, a large cattle feeder out in eastern Colorado. And I knew absolutely nothing about agriculture when I walked in there. Um, and and that, that family was in, incredibly generous with their time and with their knowledge and, and shared a lot, not only about their business, but about agriculture and, and rural America in general. And I became absolutely fascinated about the, the whole experience and the whole lifestyle and the whole industry. And so uh, as, as I was sort of making my way through the, the bank, uh, I, I ended up in discussions uh, with, with what at the time was Kennedy & Co, as you said, now now Pinion, uh, and, and ultimately decided to make the, the, the leap over to Pinion. And originally that started to really focus on capital stack, debt and equity structures, and, and help our clients deal better with their capital providers. And my role with the firm has really sort of evolved over, over time. And today, really, I focus on kind of two big areas. Uh, number one, I work with a number of large agricultural producers across the United States. And they tend to be the, the growers who have got a lot of things going on, are, are sort of progressive in their thinking. They, they really want to think about what's next and, and how do they reach success, what, whatever success looks like for them. It's, it's different in many instances. So I spent a lot of time doing that. And then, as you alluded to, I've, I've spent a lot of time over the, the last few years in particular 
on this idea of farm office modernization, and in particular, a, a product that Pinion has called Pinion Integrated Office. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that, but it's really about trying to get our customers the best information we can, really marry up financial information, operational information, and, and ultimately get to a place where your farm office and your farm data is a competitive advantage. And I really think that's gonna pay off dividends in, in the long run. So that's a little bit about my sort of crazy winding road to get to where I am today. Yeah, and you know, it, it is interesting how people come into what I call an ag business, not, not necessarily farming, but an ag business. You know, a lot of them did grow up on a farm, but many are like you that, uh, you know, they didn't grow up on a farm, but they end up meeting either a farm family or a farm business that sort of piques their interest. And they say, hey, I really like that that part of uh, of the business structure. So they tend to just go that way. That's that's right. And, and you've seen this in, in your career as well. I mean, I, I think oftentimes um, we, we, whatever industry we're in, we get too sort of insular and focusing on what are my peers in that industry doing? And I think a lot of progressive business owners in, in all industries are now starting to say, I really need to broaden and look at what's happening in other industries. What can I learn there? So I think that diversity of thought is a really good thing for us all to have. Yeah, and I, and I think, like you say, a lot of the more progressive, and I'm going to use that term in a positive way, not a negative way, uh, <laughs> the more progressive farmers out there are, are actually creating a board of advisors that aren't farmers you know they're bankers they're other business owners in non-farming areas to help them run their business better so i i think that's good for them absolutely i agree totally agree and you know as you look at the farm office of the future you know we know that there's been many players in that arena that have tried to take that data whether it's the data from John Deere or Case IH or, or, or Pioneer or whoever it might be, climate, et cetera, et cetera, and migrate it into the accounting system. But you and I both know the worst thing that we want to have is a bunch of noisy data in our accounting software. And that's that's really been the issue is trying to you know automate that data into our accounting system. So I'm 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 curious to share or to hear what what you see going on in that area. Yeah, well let me let me give you a little bit of the, the side sort of hypothesis because it'll sort of set the stage for how ultimately we're trying to pull off what you you described there. So we we come at this with the belief that all too many farm offices uh, are too many farm offices are just a bit behind the times in in, in really having a, a robust or, or at least an adequate farm office for the size of the business that it's become. Um, we, we tend to find with customers, and I'm sure you've run into this as well, spending money on, on equipment, on land, on some of those things is, is kind of second nature. But the idea of making significant investments of, of time and dollars and resources into a farm office is a bit more of a foreign concept to, to people. And, and what's crazy, when, when we compare a, a farming operation with an indoor manufacturing customer in our, our business, the, the farm is dealing with so much more volatility and so much more risk. Yet, generally speaking, they're armed with far less information to run that business. 
are, are similar sized manufacturing customers as, a, as an accounting firm, for example, oftentimes have far better ERP systems or, or, or just sort of information uh, hubs where they can pull together that operational and financial information. And we just kept saying this is, this is really frustrating that here our, our growers are dealing with the amount of risk that they are, yet they, they have to do it with blinders on in, in many instances. And, and some of that was, you know, up until the last few years, there really weren't good systems for capturing information about what was happening across the farm. And that was really the kind of the change for us is as those systems started to evolve, we thought we finally have the capabilities. Now we have to get these systems talking to each other and, and integrating with each other and create some standardization. And if we can do that, then we're really going to have something. Now, as, as you alluded to, there have been a lot of, of organizations who have tried to come at it from the perspective of on-farm data, whether they're farm management systems or sensors or platforms or hardware or whatever, who've said, wouldn't it be great if our system then ultimately tied back to that, that sort of true source of truth, the, the bank account, the financial records, that sort of thing. And, and many of them have tried to create that, that linkage. And, and we were very fortunate a few years ago to, to run into a guy by the name of Matt Powell, who had been heavily involved in, in farm management systems for, for a, a number of years and, and also was trying to create that linkage. And it was Matt that really started to realize the problem all along is that the farm office is a fairly disorganized place in most instances. There's very little standardization that occurs within that farm office. So I, I always use the example about glyphosate. If, if the farm management system that was built by data scientists and, 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 and people with really deep backgrounds in software development and technology, if it's focused on data standardization where glyphosate is only going to appear in your farm management system one way, it's always going to be called glyphosate or, or it's always going to be called Roundup or whatever, whatever you're going to identify that. That has to be equal in the farm office. We can only have glyphosate in the system one time. Because if you ever actually want to get to true cost of production and marry up what my glyphosate purchases were with my glyphosate usage coming out of that farm management system, those two systems have to talk and have to be using the same sort of naming convention. Yeah. And so the sort of epiphany that we had, thanks to Matt, was our farm offices in, in many instances are broken and, and we have to remap the processes and procedures that get them to the same level of data standardization as, as others. So I'll, I'll stop there for a minute, but that's that's kind of what got us to this point. Then we can talk more about how we how we sort of make that happen from here. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna tell you that I have seen some farm profit and loss statements that have 47 different chemicals on <laughs> you know each on a line. And I'm like, how in the, you know, and you end up with a income statement that's 17 pages long and I'm like, how in the world do you even you know make a business decision when you know it's just too much data in front of you so and, and you're right probably on that statement there are probably eight of those lines that are the same chemical but with just different names that's that's right and what what's so interesting about this is um getting to really good information it's it's not that we don't know how to do it 
I mean, you and I both had a background with the, the Farm Financial Standards Council, for example. And I mean, the Farm Financial Standards Council is a tremendous organization, been around a long time, and they've literally mapped out how to get to good information. So it's it's not that we don't know how to do it. It's just it's it's hard to organize it. And it takes sitting down in that farm office, again, investing those resources to say, I'm going to go clean up that chart of accounts that you just alluded to. I'm going to read what the Farm Financial Standards Council says is, is a better way for me to track these things. It's just it's, it's making that investment. And now the extra layer is how do we utilize some of the tools that have, have emerged to, to go do that even better and, and maybe apply some automation to it along the way? So I, I think that story you share is, is just so common across rural America these days. So speaking of those tools, what, you know, in my previous life, I was actually an advisor on Granular who ended up selling out to Corteva. Um, and, and I still remember my role on, on that advisory board was trying to help them migrate sort of the ERP, you know, the, the management system to get information into an accounting system. And I remember I probably had five, at least five conference calls with them and I could just feel the frustration on their end because they just couldn't get to that bottom line. So are there now some tools that, that help bridge that gap? Yeah, I, I think there's there's several. I think we're, we're seeing a couple of, of different iterations of this kind of unfold. I'll, I'll tell you a little, little bit about the one that I'm the most familiar with, of course, which is, is Pinion Integrated Office. What, what we've really tried to do with, with Pinion IO is not recreate the wheel. We did not want to be in the software development business. We felt like the right way to approach this was to take off the shelf solutions uh, and then create the linkages between them. And part of creating those linkages, of course, then is having that, that data standardization at, at sort of every turn. So we're using common systems for things like your accounting software. Uh, we we would, would be happily work with all the farm management systems and do work with, with a number of them today. Um, we want the grower to identify what are those systems that work the best for those, their, their operation. And as long as those systems have that same focus on standardized information, that you can't just be keying in whatever chemical you want when you get to a field to spray. You, you have to select it from a drop-down box so that we ensure that it's the same chemical that's going to flow through the whole system. As long as that happens, we feel like we've created the architecture to allow all of those integrations to occur. Now, so, one of the so things Peter, that- I want, I, want, yeah. I want to interject for a second. So let's say that, the, like you said, you had that spray chemical, whatever it is, I don't care what it is. And so in the system that the worker is using out in the field to apply that chemical using the sprayer, when they drop down that list, that list is then going to be exactly the same that's being used in the office. Is, is that sort of the way that you're trying to make sure it's used? Yeah, it'll either be the same name or in the in the architecture of that integration, we will have created the this product over here links to this product or it could okay. potentially link to a couple of products because some operations may say, for example, I want to make it so easy that the operator uh, picks the name based on whether it's the, the generic or a brand name or a whatever. I don't want them to have to figure out what the difference is. And we know behind the scenes, they're all glyphosate related products. Therefore, we're going to link our glyphosate category to three different products in their system. 
though so they all kind of end up in the same spot or maybe let's say that the operator out there maybe it's a mix maybe it's a mix of three or four products it's called this mix so when they click on that mix they know back in the office that it's going to be these three or four products based on this percentage and then that's how it's done back in the office that's exactly right yep okay 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 uh actually i think before we continue we'll go ahead and take a quick break for a sponsor message and then we'll come back and keep going on this conversation where uh we're in a, well two accountants are geeking out on farm office county How many years away is the long run for a farmer? Five years? Ten years? Top producers like Hans Reinchi, a blue diamond farming company in Jessup, Iowa, know Robo Agri Finance shares his enduring vision for the future. Whether it's building our grain site, or if it's purchasing the next field, we're able to turn to Robo as a trusted partner to help us get financing to make those generational decisions. With unmatched financial capacity, local relationship managers and a global network of sector experts to offer market guidance. Robo Agri Finance provides enterprising farmers with a personalized approach to lending and financial services. Growing a better world together, Robo Agri Finance. Welcome back, everyone, to the Farm CPA podcast presented by Top Producer. I'm Paul Nieper, your host, and we're going to rejoin our conversation with Peter Martin from Pinion. So, so Peter, we were talking about the fact that you're trying to standardize. So what's out on the operator side is matching up with what's in the accounting side. So let's continue that conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So for, for us, with, with our, our uh, product offering, the sort of the secret sauce then is what I was talking about before of how do now you get that standardization within the office? How do you make sure that glyphosate is only in this, this whole sort of accounting ecosystem one time? And, and, and what, what we've really sort of uncovered, and it's what everybody's known for years, is there's very little standardization of the way invoices and statements and receipts and all of that stuff is received. And we really felt like the only way we could get to this kind of farm-wide data set with, with good, rich information was to say every document that comes into that farm office is going to have to be standardized. We can't let things slip through or all of a sudden the whole ecosystem starts getting corrupted. So the one bit of technology that we had to invest in, in developing along with Matt Powell is, is a program that he's now the CEO of called Robot Accounts. And, and robot accounts' job is really to be the, the gatekeeper into that accounting office. So all receipts, statements, invoices, all of that are going to get scanned and, and brought into that system and then digitized literally down to the line item. And once we have that in there, now the sky's the limit on what kind of reporting we can provide and what kind of linkages we can create with on-farm sensors and hardware and platforms and things like that. So the, the key to the, the gatekeeper role of robot accounts is if that invoice comes in from, from a chemical supplier and it has a chemical on it that, that robot accounts hasn't seen before, it's going to flag that and a human being is going to have to go in and look at it and figure out, is this in fact a new product that we haven't seen before or is this 
a misspelling of another product or something that already exists within the system. And we just need to link that up so that we have it captured going forward. And where you really get to long-term is the ability to apply rules and say, anytime an invoice comes in from this vendor and it's this product, the system now knows what to do with it in the accounting records and in kind of the entire data ecosystem, because we can establish those rules up front, knowing that we're going to have standardization of the information coming in. And it's almost sort of step one towards machine learning of, of the machine starting to figure this stuff out initially based on rules and then eventually potentially on, on its own. Are you seeing um, more of these farm systems using maybe a purchase order system where, you know, before the invoice even shows up, they've entered into the system. Hey, we're expecting 1500 gallons of glyphosate. We're expecting, you know, 500 gallons of this. And then when the invoice comes in, we match it up against the PO. Or is it still more of a non-PO system? You get the invoice and then you uh, put it into the system. It's, it's definitely today more non-PO, but that seems to be changing. And, and I think what, what, what growers are going to uncover as they get into this is the, the return on investment for moving to a purchase order system, I think is going to have a pretty quick payback because you know, we've all heard the horror stories of I, I agreed to pay this and I ended up paying this price or I bought this and it never showed up. This really gives you the chance to nail that down and find those problems. So I think we're going to start seeing a, a kind of a, a quick evolution to more of a PO-based process. Yeah, and, and really the the amount of extra effort on the accounting staff really isn't that bad. And like you say, it prevents a lot of mistakes, a lot of errors on pricing, a lot of errors on quantities and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and like everything, you know, there's there's lots of PO related systems that have kind of come online. And I'd encourage people that if you want to explore that, I, I'd look first to your accounting platform, whatever accounting record system that you're using. And especially if you're on something like a Xero or QuickBooks or a NetSuite, you know, one of those types of systems, there's there's going to be a bolt on for a PO process that you're going to be able to utilize. And I, I encourage everybody to look at them. And, and typically these days, if you are trying to do this uh, robust accounting system, um, you know, I'm an anal CPA. I prefer desktop QuickBooks for ease of use. But if you're trying to add on these bolt-ons and taking advantage of these third-party add-ons, you almost have to be QuickBooks online or, or an online cloud-based type system. Is that what you're seeing out there right now? Yeah, I'm going to make you a believer of those cloud-based systems, Paul, with some of these technologies, because I agree 100% with that. I, I just think QuickBooks needs to, um, you know, and again, this is the anal CPA, you know, they just need to tweak the online a little bit more, in my opinion. So uh, not, it doesn't have to be desktop looking, but, you know, ease of use in some, and now maybe I'm not a dinosaur, I will admit that, I'm a dinosaur, but uh, uh, but I'm I'm pretty good at getting around it. So we'll see, we'll see. Sorry, sorry I, for the people out there. Got off on a tangent, but uh, um, so on. Are you seeing? So let's say that they're buying uh, chemicals. You know, you know, you're getting you know thirty batches or thirty invoices that come in. 
they're buying the same product. All the pro all the chemicals have different prices, so you know it's not exactly the same price. Are you then sort of going to a standardized costing system with maybe a variance at the end of the year or at the end of the cycle? Or what do you see happening in that area? Yeah, I, I think that's the, uh, it's the more effective way right now to do it. I mean, you theoretically, if you have the data in there and your operators and the rest of your team are, are really dialed in in terms of data capture, you can start getting to, Okay, I got this order in, and so for this crop or these fields, it came in at this price, and I didn't realize I was going to need more for, for this one over here, and when I went back and bought it, it, it cost more, so I'm going to put more cost over here. You know, at, at some point, you start getting to that sort of diminishing returns for an awful lot of, of effort. So for the most part, we're getting more of that, that standard costing there, but it is actual prices. It's not an estimate of what that cost is. It's what we actually paid for those products. And there's there's lots of ways today that you can, there's lots of systems, I should say, where if you want to get to estimated cost of production, that's that's a pretty easy thing to do. And again, lots of places you can get it from. What, what we really wanted to do was say, that, why do we have to estimate it? The, the, the data is there to say exactly what we paid for these products. Let's go grab that information. And it takes that extra step of data standardization in the office, but it gives you a much more rich data set, not just based on, on estimates. Yeah. And, and, and I think in your, your early on, you were saying, okay, so this field, let's say it got applied at two bucks an acre, but the next field it was applied at 10 bucks an acre. And I, you know, I'm making up those numbers. Well, if you're making a management decision based on this field at $10 per acre versus this field at $2 per acre, you really can get a distortion as to how that field really did compared to the other fields. So I think that that standardized actual true cost on average that's applied to each of those fields is the important way to go. Yeah, and, and again, the, 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 for, for us, um, what we wanted to really do was get to a place that we had the, the rich data set at the growers fingertips and then the fun part is being able to sit down with them and say how do you want to slice and dice this information and of course we're going to have thoughts or their bankers going to have thoughts or their advisory board or whomever's going to have thoughts as well but but get them the information the perfect example is with with labor you know one of the most expensive parts of, of the operation and what we wanted to get to was a place that says we have a really rich platform for being able to take your labor spend and dial that down as, as deep into the operation as, as you want. Now the discussion is how far do we go? Do we, do we literally want to have the spray operator pulling up to spray a field and on their time entry system saying, I'm at this field and I'm, I'm sort of clocking in, so to speak, at this field. And now we're capturing, capturing the labor spend to spray a particular field. Some of our customers want to go to that level of detail. Some of our customers say, this is just ridiculous. I'll spend all day just trying to manage the systems and the people and the processes. And do I really get that much better information? So those are the kinds of conversations we get to get to engage in. And it's just a lot of fun. Yeah, no. And, and again, for the listeners out here, we have two geeky accountants getting excited about this stuff. But, uh, but I think the important thing, Peter, and you and I both agree that the better your accounting system is, the more better, and this is not the correct terminology, the more better your management is and your ROI is extremely high 
if you have a good accounting system. That, that's right, and I, I want your, your take on this because our belief is very much this is about accounting, but going forward, this is very much about being able to report on um, other matters besides the, the numbers. It's about getting into traceability and, and the, the, the supply chain within food and ag today is so interested about what's happening back to the farm gate. Now, whether you believe or not in what's happening around ESGs and traceability and sustainability and lots of other buzzwords, the, the reality is food companies, food reta retailers, manufacturers, they're getting pressure from investors and lenders and everybody else to capture information about the products that they're buying. And that comes all the way back to the farm gate. And so what, what, what started as a conversation around how do we get great accounting records has really morphed into how do we set that grower up to have this data, this farm-wide data ecosystem. So of course they have great accounting records to help make better decisions and get their taxes done and all that sort of thing. But they also position themselves that as this world of traceability evolves and hopefully supply chain opportunities open up for the growers who have that data at their fingertips, that they can start to command premiums or they can have new markets to sell products in. It's, it's really how I think we create that, that competitive advantage on a farm from that data set that they have reconciled back to their bank account. But yeah, you've been around yeah. a long time, Paul. Tell me, tell me your take on that. No, I, I totally agree. Matter of fact, I, I just recently did a podcast on this new Section 45Z that's coming down the road in a couple of years. And, and that's really going to require a robust way of verifying data to the system. So I, I, I totally agree. The more you're able to verify and automatically verify it and make it so that it looks like it's actually not somebody you know scribbling out on a spreadsheet so to speak um you know that's that's going to create that ability for the customer or for the walmarts of the world or whoever it might be to have more comfort that the the data is real you know it isn't quote made up data I, I think that that's absolutely right. And, you know, who knows where this goes? I mean, I think we all spend a lot of time talking about carbon credits and carbon capture these days. But, you know, I mean, part of the the, the hypothesis could even be if if you had carbon credit data that, that was, again, reconciled back to a bank account that said, I did these certain activities or I didn't do these certain activities and I can show you that in my financials. Does that potentially make your carbon credit more valuable than somebody else's? There's, there's just so many places this could ultimately go. Yeah, we're going to have so many acronyms starting with carbon, you know, carbon sequestering, carbon credit, carbon intensity. You know, it's 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 uh, I don't know where it's going to end up. There will probably be seven more uh, carbon slash something or other. So but uh, you're correct. I mean, the more that we're able to almost at the press of a button, Okay, here's our data. Here's our report. Here's what you need, and you know, and you move on, and you get your premium right away. Uh, yeah, and, and and we we talk a lot about too. This this is one of the ways that within the, the kind of the supply chain, that individual farm ranch, whatever it is, 
can sort of fight back in the supply chain. And and you know you're 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 surrounded on either side by bigger companies generally. The, the people you're buying products from and the people you're selling products from, generally speaking, are, are bigger organizations that have invested really heavily in data analysis, risk management, and and can sort of use that as an advantage against the producer. And, and having this gives that producer the ability to sort of fight back or at least defend a little bit in the supply chain as well. And I'm I'm also convinced, I mean, we've been talking about this as an industry for a long time now, but I'm convinced that advocacy on behalf of agriculture is going to be increasingly important. The, the outside world in many instances has a bad view of what happens in agriculture and ag is getting blamed for so much. And one of the best ways we can fight back with that is really, really valuable on-farm data to show here's what's really happening. This is this is the impact that we really have, and these are the steps we've taken to really better ourselves as an industry. I, I just think it's important. And you know, another thing I think, and this is me putting on my the next 10, 20 year type hat. So this isn't immediate, but I think it's coming is eventually the customer or the government or both is going to require that data to be available that they need. So you're going to have to link that data on an electronic type basis over to the Walmarts of the world or the government. And they're going to not they're not going to have access to all your system, but they're going to have access to what they need to verify that you're doing what you say you're doing. I, I think that's right. And I think that's that's where blockchain tech, technology starts coming in, where it's all sort of automated and smart contracts. Um, and the, the challenge at this point isn't the blockchain. The challenge at this point is getting farms to have really good standardized information at their fingertips. Yep. Yep. Well, Peter, this has been great. Uh, we're coming up to the end of the podcast. Uh, I always do ask a couple questions, and I, I didn't even really tee you up on this, so uh, you, you may not have the answer off the top of your head, but uh, uh, I guess the first question I'm going to ask, I always like to ask is, who is your mentor? Do you have a mentor in your career that you can look back at, or do you have multiple ones? I, I would absolutely say I've had I've had multiple ones. I, I've been really fortunate to be surrounded by some great people throughout the years, um, and and some that I still go back to 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 this day. I, I get to connect next week with a a good friend of mine who's actually a college professor and was a, a mentor of mine for a long time. So yeah, I've 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 had a lot along the years, and, and sure appreciate that support. And then uh, finally, you know, uh, just like uh, even in my quote semi-retirement, I'm still working at least 2,000 hours. Do you have any time for uh, any type of hobby? <laughs> I, I I do. Uh, not not as much as probably I would like, and I'm sure everybody feels the, the same way. Um, I still like to, to, to get out and play some golf every now and again. My world at the moment really sort of revolves around my my seven-year-old son and whatever the sport of the day is for him. Um, I, I don't think he's met one that he doesn't like so far. So I, my wife and I spend an awful lot of time chasing him around and chasing him to sports, and I'm having a great time with that as well. We, we had four boys, so I know exactly what you're going through. And uh, believe me, as they get older, it even gets more hectic. So I'll just warn you that right now. But uh, and then uh, what what keeps you up at night? Um, I think uh, I'm I'm probably like a lot of people. I'm I'm fairly concerned about the 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 political system in the United States right now. I was 
on a call with some some folks from Spain about a week ago, and, and they were talking about making some investments in the U.S., and I jokingly said, I'm sure glad you're still interested in making investments here despite the nonsense going on in Washington, D.C., but I, I am concerned about that. As, as you know, we're walking into a farm bill year. I'm concerned about what that means for agriculture. Uh, I just, and like so many people, I'm just really frustrated where we stand today, so... We'll get through it. We we always do. There's always tough times in in the country, and we we weather through it. But it's it's just disappointing to see this is where we've ended up. Yeah. And then finally, uh, what's your definition of success in farming? Uh, that looks different. Uh, I've I've tried to nail this down over the years, and what I've come up with is every farm family that I work with, that definition of success looks different. For some, it's getting really big. For some, it's reducing risk and having a great lifestyle. For some, it's optimizing profits. Um, for some, it's just about the family and, and everything else is, is second. Um, I think it's about you and your family looking yourselves in the eye and, and saying what's really important to us. And I, if, if I have time for just a quick story, Paul, I remember working with a farm family a number of years ago, and there was a, a dad and, and two sons, and we were having these conversations about succession. And I could tell the one son was really frustrated about something. And we finally pulled him aside and he said, I'm really upset because my dad and my brother really want this. They want to be as big as possible. I just want to be the size we are today, be really profitable, as profitable as we can, and also have a really strong work-life balance and be good family people as well. And, and the, and the, the, the challenge, he was having such a challenge communicating that. So I think really getting all of the stakeholders in the farm together and saying, let's get clear on what each of us wants and what we want as a family, and let's go get after it and figure out how to be successful. I to totally agree. Well, again, Peter, this has uh, been a good conversation on the quote farm office of the future. And uh, we'll probably maybe uh, six months, a year from now, we'll have a follow-up just to see uh, maybe some of the changes that happened in that uh, time frame. I'd love to do it and sure appreciate the, uh, the the time and you having me on today, Paul. Okay, thanks, Peter. Again, this is the Farm CPA Podcast presented by Top Producer. I am Paul Neefer, your host, signing off. <laughs>